Well, if you have your Bibles tonight, take them and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, and we're going to begin reading there in verse number 6. Ephesians chapter number 5 and verse number 6. And once again, let me just say thank you to the church family for allowing us to be here. Pastor, I got a hold of Pastor just a little while ago, and I was in Florida, and he said, can you make it up? And I said, yes. So we drove almost, I think we, we capped out 19 hours after both days. We combined both days together to get here, and we're excited to be here because God has called us to get to the United Kingdom, and we want to get there as quick as possible in His timing and trust Him with it. But that's the work that God's called us to do, and so we put forth every effort. And once again, thank you, Brother O'Donnell, for allowing us to be here. It's a privilege to stand behind your pulpit. And uh, let's move on. Heavenly, uh, <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 6, the Bible says this. Sometimes as a preacher, you just go right into praying. You're so used to saying things, you just go right into it. So I apologize. <laughs> Ephesians chapter number 5, verse number 6, the Bible says this. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye not, be ye not therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And tonight, for, for just a brief moment, I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 16. If you're in the habit of marking your Bible and you'd like to do that, that'd be fine. Or perhaps you just want to put your finger there. But the Bible says in Ephesians 5, 16, this little phrase, it says, Redeeming the time. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. The Apostle Paul here has taken the phrase that they like to use in the world at that time. Uh, Merchantmen would use this phrase. Salesmen, uh, tradesmen, people of the marketplace would learn how to say this. And what, what they would mean by redeeming the time is they would say, make the most of the opportunity that you have right now to sell what you have, to get rid of it. So they'd look at each other and say, redeem the time. Let's make the most. Like, there's never been a greater time right now than to sell. The streets are busy. So let's get out and get rid of what we've got. We can make the most profit right now. It's kind of like Toys R Us and Walmart and Target, and they know women on Black Friday, and maybe even some of us uh, men are going to line up. We might not even go to sleep on Thanksgiving Day because we're going to line up outside the doors to barge the doors, trample over whoever's in the way so we can get the best deals on whatever there is, right? And what Walmart and them places do is they strategically place things because they know they're more likely to sell it when you walk in and you're going to buy it. And they put it there and they mark things down because... Now is the time. They, they've got to redeem the time. And so the Apostle Paul takes this worldly phrase, if you will, and he applies it to the Christian life. He says, redeem the time and make the most of the opportunity you have right now as a Christian to live and to preach Jesus Christ. Redeem the time now. And so tonight, for just a few moments, I'd like to speak to you on this, redeeming the time. 
Will you bow with me in prayer? Almighty Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your mercy, and most of all, Lord, for your Son, Jesus Christ, who willingly went to the cross and died for our sins. Lord, tonight I pray that his name would be uplifted. Lord, I pray tonight that you would, you would be glorified, Lord, as you already have been in the singing and the prayers that went up before heaven. Lord, I pray that hearts would be open and that, Lord, every distraction, anything that could hinder us from hearing from you tonight, Lord, please bound it back and speak to the hearts of men and women here. Lord, if there's a young man dealing with the call of his life to go to the ministry, I pray that you would help him. Lord, I pray that if there's, here, there's hearts here tonight that are struggling, Lord, that you would encourage them. I pray most of all, if there's one here tonight that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that tonight would be the night of their salvation. Father God, let them not waste another minute. We love you, Lord. We need you, and we beg of you to meet with us here tonight. Thank you for the pastor and for this wonderful church. Please speak to us in a great way. Continue to have your hand upon this ministry. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. You know what? As you look at the Bible and you come to a couple of conclusions, there's only a few things that are really going to matter in life. One is going to be this, and I can really think I could narrow it down to two. I think one will be this, is do you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Ultimately, that's about the only thing that matters. Because it's appointed to men once to die and then the judgment. And so at the end, when you stand before God, and perhaps we always like to use this phrase, why should He let you into heaven? I hope you can say that you, by faith, trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're not counting on works. You're not counting on church attendance. You're not counting on being a good person or even giving. You're counting on nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ as your Savior. The fact that He went to the cross willingly and there was a point in your life where you bowed your head and asked Him to be your Savior. That's the first thing that will matter. And then the second thing will matter is this. What have you done for the Lord Jesus Christ? As Christians, what have you done for Him? You know, the Bible says that our life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. I was in South Florida and I tried to illustrate this just a little while ago and they didn't understand it because they don't see the vapor. It doesn't get cold enough down there, I guess. But here it gets cold enough and you know that when you walk outside in the morning and you see your breath when it goes out into the air, you see it and for a moment it's there and then what happens? It's gone. And God says that your life is like that in the speck of eternity. It's here for a moment and then it's gone. And the only thing that will matter in this life is not it's not what kind of house you have. It's not what kind of cars you've driven. It's not what kind of family you have. The only thing that will matter is what you have done for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And I think, I think that if we all looked into our lives tonight, if we all pulled everything back and looked into our lives, we all could say, there's so much more that I could do for the Lord. Tonight, there's a great need in the Christian life. There's a great need in, amongst Christians today to redeem the time. And to make up the hedge and make the most of our opportunity right now to live and to preach Jesus Christ. How are we going to redeem the time? I think the Apostle Paul gives us a few points here. I think he gives us four how we can do it. If you look with me in verse 14, I think he illustrates the first way we must do it. And he says this in verse 14, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. Number one, if we're going to truly redeem the time as a Christian, we must wake up, awake, and see that we have an opportunity. We must awake. So many of us, or something I've noticed just about people sleeping, and I'm sure everybody's noticed this, is that you're pretty much unconscious to the world. Sleeping's a very humbling position because you're gone for, for seven to eight hours, and sure, some of those teenagers, nine to ten hours, right? 
you're gone and you're dead to the world and you don't know what's going on. When you're asleep, you're unaware to what's going on around you. When I was in high school, I, I was a public school kid. My parents were both public school teachers. My dad was a football coach. My mom taught elementary school. And so I grew up just going there. And, and when I was in ninth grade, I sat in chemistry class. And uh, the chemistry class that we sat at, they sat at those tables, two people to a desk. And it was a big table. Something happened one day. One guy, I guess, I really don't blame him. Chemistry wasn't that exciting. But he fell asleep on his desk right there. And his buddy beside of him got the bright idea. Huh, I've got a Sharpie. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to draw a nice little mustache on that guy while he's sleeping. And so he did. He drew a nice, dark, curly mustache on that guy's face while he was sleeping. Now the bad side of the story is this, is that they both got detention hall. One for sleeping, the other one for drawing on his face. But I say all that to say this. When you're asleep, you're not aware of what's going on around you. And things are going on. And in the Christian life, we fall asleep so often. We're so asleep to the opportunity we have. And the devil is making fun of us. The devil's the one drawing the mustache on our face and making us live silly. Think about how silly it is that Jesus Christ died for us and we live an eternal life, but yet we live for temporal things. That's pretty silly, isn't it? But we find all kinds of things in the Christian life to make us go to sleep, to miss the opportunity that we have. What's causing you to go to sleep tonight? What's causing you to fall asleep in your Christian life? Sometimes I think it could be the busyness of life, isn't it? Man, we all have an agenda. It's amazing. We have all these time-saving mechanisms, our smartphones, and yet we stay busy. We can never get away from our agenda and our schedule. Where is God at on your agenda? You have so many things that you need to get done during the day that you say, I'll get to God later. I'll get to God later if I have time. And God is saying, you're missing it. You're missing the very reason for your existence. It's to have fellowship with me. He's saying, wake up. Get out of your busy schedule. Forget it. Yes, you need to get those things done, but I'm the first person you need to meet with in the morning. You need to meet with God. Wake up if you're busy. I struggle with that one so often. Being too busy for God. Is that tonight what's making you go to sleep? Perhaps it's, perhaps it's your self-righteousness. You think this young man up here is 23 years old. He doesn't know much about what he's talking about, so I'll just turn him off. I don't really need to change. I've been at this church since it started. I've sat in the pews. I've been here. I've been faithful. There's no way that this message is talking to me. Have you ever been there and you're sitting in church and you hear the preacher preach and you say, man, that's good, and you think of somebody that could use that. Man, that guy in front of me, man, he really needs this message. I hope he's listening. You know, we do that a lot in our Christian lives. Chances are when that happens, God is actually trying to speak to us. But almost, almost all the time we're like too self-righteous. We say, oh no, God couldn't be talking to me. I've been here. I've been sitting in the pew. Hey, look, you could be sitting in the, well, not the pew, but the chair. You could be sitting in the chair. You could be faithful every Sunday and be asleep in the will of God. Asleep, asleep, not trusting Him. Because God calls us to be in action. Is it your self-righteousness today that's causing you to go to sleep? Perhaps we need to look in on our lives. And then it could be this. It, teenagers, it could be your school friends, people that you hang out with right? Here it's easy to be a Christian. It's easy to be awake when you're here and you're, you're with friends that want to sing and you're in a church that preaches the Bible. But when you go off to school or when you hang out with buddies that aren't familiar with being here, how do you act? When you're at the workplace and they tell the jokes, how do you act? Do you respond and laugh and try not to stand out? Do you fall asleep and say, I'm not going to make a difference? Is that you tonight? 
perhaps that us, and we've fallen asleep because of our relationships. Look, there's many things that can cause you to fall asleep. Only you can identify what it is. Look, tonight, if we're going to make a difference and redeem the time for the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to wake up. And then ultimately, the person says this, well, if I wake up, I don't know if I'm capable of doing what Pastor O'Donnell does. I mean, man, when he gets up here and preaches, he's awesome. And I don't know, I'm not a very good public person. I don't know if I'm capable, I don't know if I'm capable of going out door to door and talking to somebody about Jesus Christ. I don't know if I'm capable of all this stuff. You know, thank God that he doesn't look at you to see if you're capable. He doesn't look at you to see if you're qualified. He doesn't say, man, you're a good speaker. Man, you dress nice. Man, you got a great family background. Man, you got all the qualities that could make it up. God does not look at that. God does not look at who's qualified. He looks at who's willing. Who wants to serve? Who wants to obey? Who wants to follow me? And God says anyone can do it. It doesn't matter if you're qualified. You just have to be willing. Think of Moses. He said, God, I can't speak. And God yet used him to deliver the children of Israel out of Egypt. David, right? Shepherd boy. Greatest king perhaps Israel ever had. God does not look on the outward appearance. God's looking on the heart. Look, tonight you obey and it says Christ will give you light. He's not going to twist your arm to wake you up. He's not going to be like my mom when she would wake me up. She would take a cup and she would say, all right, Jared, get out of bed. And if I didn't get up, she would take the bottle of water and say, all right, now I'm going to pour this over your head if you don't get up. And the third time, whoosh, it came on me and I woke up. Look, God's not going to do that tonight. He's giving you a command. He's not a bully. He's not going to twist your arm. You have to decide if you're going to wake up. Look, if we're going to redeem the time, we must wake up in our Christian lives and see that we have an opportunity. Secondly, we must do this. We must be aware. Look with me in verse 15. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. A lot of us have been walking circumspectly lately, right? That word sometimes difficult to understand. I didn't know it. I had to look it up. I'm from West Virginia. We never say circumspectly. <laughs> I thought they were speaking a different language. Circumspectly there in the King James Bible means to walk aware, to walk carefully, to make sure that you're not doing anything to get you off the path that you're on. Being careful. Let me illustrate with this. When I get up in the morning sometimes, and I, I like to read my Bible in the morning. I like to start my day off with the Lord. That's how I like to begin my day. And What I've learned, though, it's not good for me. If I want to read my Bible and get up early in the morning, it's not good for me to go into the living room and sit in a lazy boy and make sure the room is room temperature and turn on classical music and get real good and comfortable because you know what happens. I get through maybe the first verse and then I'm gone. It happens when I pray sometimes too, you know. I get I late at night, you want to get down on your knees and you want to pray. 30 minutes later you wake up and there's drool in the carpet and the carpet's imprinted on your face because you fell asleep while you're praying. So you know what I've learned? I've made an adjustment in my life. When I get up in the morning, I'm tired, I want to read my Bible, I stand up or I walk. If it's late at night and I want to pray, I don't get down on my knees because I need to stand up and walk around so I don't go to sleep. In the Christian life, if God has woken you up, if God said and woken you up to see the opportunity, then don't do the things that will put you back to sleep. Don't go back to those old ways. Don't go back to those old friends. Don't go back to those old habits. Stay awake and walk carefully. Walk circumspectly, aware, saying, I'm not going to step out of this. I can't hang out with those people because that would dim my light. I can't listen to that music because that would dim my light. Think about this. 
You have co-workers, you have friends, you have family members that may never darken the doors of Community Baptist Temple. They may never come here. They may never open a Bible. The only Bible they'll ever read is your life and your testimony. What kind of testimony do you have with them? Can they look at your life and say, no doubt they're a Christian. No doubt they know the Lord. No doubt. I know for a fact they're a Christian because of the way they walk. Look, God says, now that you're awake, be aware in your daily life. Now that you're walking, be aware in your daily life and make sure you're not doing anything to step out. Remember, the only thing that will matter in this life is what you've done for Christ. And it's sad to think sometimes there could be souls right now dying and going to hell because of the lack of our Christian testimony at work. Maybe it's the lack of our Christian testimony at school, in our family. God says walk aware. Walk circumspectly every day. Be careful and on your guard, making sure you're not doing anything to dim your light. Look with me then, we'll go to our third point. In verse number 16, the Bible we see here, our key verse. The Apostle Paul says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. I see this here, redeeming the time, as a call to take action. To take action in your local New Testament church. Now that you're awake, now that you're aware and you're walking carefully, it's not good just to sit idle. You need to take action at what God's doing in this world. And God is working in this world today through the local New Testament church. Where we're at right here today. God is working through this assembly in Akron, Ohio. And He's calling us to take action. He's calling us to get involved. He's calling us to get involved in encouraging the pastor. He's calling us to get involved in soul winning. He's calling us to get involved in giving. He's calling us to get involved in missions. He's calling us to get involved in every arm of of this church and in the local New Testament church. Why? Because God is doing His work today through the local New Testament church. Today, though, when we sit here, there'll be two types of people when you leave. You know, they say the journey of a thousand miles begins with uh, one step. I think I read that in a Chinese fortune cookie once or something. I don't know how much. You know, I said that one time, and uh, there was gypsies uh, that were, they were, they were there, and they were, they were fortune tellers, and so that wasn't a good joke to them. They didn't like that. But the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. Which direction, though, will you head tonight? Which, which way will you go? Tonight, maybe you'll leave here, and you'll say, you know what? I don't need to hear all that. I'll just stay in my old routines. I've got my own agenda. I've got my things to do. I don't need to get my Bible more. And you take a step in the wrong direction. Take another step. I, you know, I pray enough. I, I pray before my meals. That's fine. I'm okay. Before I go to bed every once in a while, I'll pray. But I don't need to take action like he said. You take a step in another wrong direction. You know, something I've learned while in deputation and driving with my wife and that little lady in the GPS in my car, they let me know when I make a wrong turn. It's really easy, it's really easy to make a wrong turn, isn't it? It's super easy. It's hard to get back to where you were supposed to be. Look, and in your Christian life, God desires so much more than you could ever even imagine. He has such plans for our life that if we were to sit back and look at it, we would be in awe. Don't do something tonight that would hinder God using you. Take a step in the right direction. Say, yes, I'm going to get my Bible. Yes, I see that there's, I have an opportunity. I need to wake up. I need to redeem the time. Yes, I'm going to get involved in this whole soul winning business. I'm going to go out with the pastor. I'm going to go out when they have appointed times and knock on doors. This whole business of praying, I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to do it more. As far as giving, I'll try to give more of what I've got. 
And before you know it, you've become this amazing beam of light. And nobody has to ask you if you're a Christian because they'll see it in the way that you've taken action in your local church. Tonight, though, which Christian will you be when you leave here? God's calling us to take action and to redeem the time. And then finally, I'll leave you with this point, this last point. As we redeem the time and we decide to take action, the Bible says in verse 17, Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The great change in your life will take place when you go from knowing what is right to understanding why it's important that you have to do what is right. Look, we have to, last point here, assure ourselves that we're in the will of God. We have to assure ourselves that what we're doing is right for ourselves. Look, I'm all about bringing children to church. I think that's one of the greatest things you can do. I don't like that business of, you know, you get to choose where you want to go. You know, my son wants to go here. He can go there. No, it's the responsibility of the parent. I don't have a child yet, but I believe the Bible teaches this. It's a responsibility of the parent to get the child to the Lord. Teach a child, in the way, train a child in the way he'll go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Look, that child's soul depends on the parent getting him in church and teaching him the Word of God. But I think we do a great injustice when we all we ever do is tell our kids to come to church because mom and dad said so. You come to church because I told you to come to church. You, you were going to pray before supper because we're going to, and I said it. And we make commands, and we, all we ever do is attach our kids to commands. Why is it that 70% of 18-year-olds when they graduate never darken the doors of their local New Testament church? Why is that? I think it's because they've not been assured of what they're doing. They've only been attached to a command from mom and dad. Look, you bring them to church, not because I said so, but because I want to worship God, and we're here to worship God, and to know the God that loved us, and to know the God that died for us. It's not because mom and dad said so. It's because God says so. We have to assure ourselves that we're in the will of God. And tonight, if you're looking at your life and you're seeing a spot where you need to make a difference, I hope you make a difference because God demands it from you out of His Word. And not because some fiery guy got up here and yelled. Or not because Pastor O'Donnell stands up and tells you, yes, the pastor is the guy, yes, he's leading you, but you need to know God's Word for yourself. We can have a personal relationship with God. And if we're ever going to do God's will, we have to assure ourselves every day that we're in God's will. Joy and I are going to England. It's a needy place. There's churches closing down everywhere. Islam's on the rise. Atheism is on the rise. You name it, they've got it. But if we go to England simply because it's needy, we'll have missed the point. We'll have missed it. We'll have gone for the wrong reason. Tonight, if you make the change because you just want to do it out of your flesh, you'll have missed the reason why it's important to change. We're not going to England because it's needy. We're going to England because one day in my personal devotions, I got alone with God, and after my experiences with God, God showed me a verse in Joshua when Caleb was talking to Joshua, and he says, Now therefore give me this mountain. And God confirmed that in my heart. He said, Jared, England is your mountain. That's where I've called you to go. If we go there and start only one church, if we see only a few people saved, in God's eyes we'll have been a success because we've done what He's called us to do. 
It's not about the size and the numbers. It's about obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look, tonight, we we have to be obedient to the Lord. Yes, we need to obey Him. But we need to be assured that we're obeying Him because it's what He demands of us in His Word. I'll finish with this point. That's my last point, but this story, and I'm done. Redeeming the time and making the most of your opportunity. There's a story that's told about two shoe salesmen who went to Africa. Two guys went to Africa. Maybe you've heard it. Probably some of you have. But the first guy goes to Africa, and he writes back to his company, and he's very depressed. He says, nobody in Africa wears shoes. There's no point of being in Africa, because nobody wears shoes in Africa. And so he's very depressed, and he got back on a plane, and he flew back home. He said, that's it, I'm done. The second guy went to Africa. I hope I'm always like the second guy. I hope you're always like the second guy. The second guy went to Africa, and he looked at the scenario, and he said, he wrote back to his company, and he said, nobody in Africa wears shoes. Send all the shoes that you got. There's never been a greater time to put shoes on the feet of people in Africa. Give everything. We can make so much profit right now. And we take that store, and we look at the Christian life. There's two types of Christians. Ones that just want to sit down And hold on. The world is waxing worse and worse. Our government shut down. Nobody wants to hear about Jesus Christ anymore. Nobody cares about Bible convictions. Nobody cares that Christ died for them. We just need to hold on until Jesus comes back. Hey, look, I'm all about Jesus coming back. I want him to come back. But I'm not going to sit in my pew until he does. Because he demands that we work. You have that second guy. That says, yes, the world is waxing worse and worse. Yes, times are getting worse and worse. But I have a message that the world needs to hear. I have the gospel of Jesus Christ that's able to save their souls. And I'm going to take my little breath, my little spot in eternity. And I'm going to do everything I can to get the gospel to my neighbor. To get the gospel to my family. To get the gospel to my county. To get the gospel around the world. What kind of Christian will you be tonight? Keep in mind the only thing that will matter will be at the end of eternity, what have you done for the Lord Jesus Christ? When you stand in front of Him, will it be a well done, thou good and faithful servant? Or will you be ashamed to stand in front of Him? Look, God commands us to redeem the time and to make the most of the opportunity that we have right now. To give everything that we've got for Him. I'd like for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. And Pastor O'Donnell is going to come and give the invitation or however that goes. But I want to ask two questions. Two questions tonight, and I'll I'll be done. Tonight, tonight as heads are bowed and eyes closed, is there one here tonight that would say this, after hearing the message, I don't know that I know the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. If I were to die tonight, I'm not for sure that I would go to heaven. Look, redeem the time now and don't wait. Is that you? Would you just slip up your hand? I won't call you out. I won't point at you. Is there anybody like that? Okay, good. Christian here tonight, would you just say this? God has spoken to me. If God has spoken to you about a certain spot in your life, will you just raise your hand up in the air to let me know so we can pray for you? Amen. And you know what? My hand's raised because there are spots in my life that I need to redeem. As we pray... 
And as Pastor O'Donnell comes, be bold and take it to the Lord. And I'll pray with you. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. And I pray that you will help us to give our lives for him, to give our all for him. And Lord, to let go of the worldly cares. Lord, as your word went forth tonight, I pray that you will use it in the hearts of men and women, Lord, that have raised their hands. Help them to redeem the time and to make the most of their life for Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.